Greetings and welcome to the AMD fourth quarter and full year 2023 conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. A brief question and answer session will follow the formal presentation. If anyone should require operator assistance during the conference, please press star zero on your telephone keypad. And as a reminder, this conference is being recorded. It is now my pleasure to introduce to you Mitch Hawes, Vice President, Investor Relations. Thank you, Mitch. You may begin. Thank you, John, and welcome to AMD's fourth quarter and full year 2023 financial results conference call. By now, you should have had the opportunity to review a copy of our earnings press release and the accompanying slides. If you have not had the chance to review these materials, they can be found on the Investor Relations page of AMD.com. We will refer primarily to non-GAAP financial measures during today's call. The full non-GAAP to GAAP reconciliations are available in today's press release and the slides posted on our website. Participants on today's call are Dr. Lisa Su, our Chair and Chief Executive Officer, and Jean Hu, our Executive Vice President, Chief Financial Officer, and Treasurer. This is a live call and will be replayed via webcast on our website. Before we begin, I would like to note that Mark Papermaster, Executive Vice President and Chief Technology Officer, will attend the Bernstein Tech, Media, Telecom, and Consumer One-on-One Forum on Tuesday, February 28th, and Jean Hu, Executive Vice President, Chief Financial Officer, and Treasurer, will attend the Wolf Research Semiconductor Conference on Tuesday, February 15th, and the Morgan Stanley Technology, Media, and Telecom Conference on March 5th. Today's discussion contains forward-looking statements based on current beliefs, assumptions, and expectations. Speak only as of today, and as such, involve risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from our current expectations. Please refer to the cautionary statement on our press release for more information on factors that could cause actual results to differ materially. With that, I'll hand the call over to Lisa. Thank you, Mitch, and good afternoon to all those listening in today. We finished 2023 strong as data center sales accelerated significantly throughout the year despite the mixed demand environment. As a result, we delivered record data center segment annual revenue and strong top line and bottom line growth in the fourth quarter driven by the ramp of instinct AI accelerators and robust demand for Epic server CPUs across cloud, enterprise, and AI customers. Looking at our financial results, fourth quarter revenue increased 10% year-over-year to $6.2 billion, driven by significant double-digit percentage growth in our data center and client segments. On a full-year basis, annual revenue declined 4% to $22.7 billion, as record data center and embedded segment annual revenue was offset by lower client and gaming segment revenue. Importantly, data center and embedded segment annual revenue grew by $1.2 billion and accounted for more than 50% of revenue in 2023 as we gained server share, launched our next generation Instinct AI accelerators, and maintained our position as the industry's largest provider of adaptive computing solutions. Turning to the fourth quarter business results, data center segment revenue grew 38% year-over-year and 43% sequentially to a record $2.3 billion. Server CPU and data center GPU sales both set quarterly and annual revenue records as sales of our data center products accelerated throughout the year. We gained server CPU revenue share in the quarter driven by significant double-digit percentage growth in fourth-gen EPIC processor revenue and demand for our third-gen EPIC processor portfolio. In cloud, while the overall demand environment remains soft, server CPU revenue increased year-over-year and sequentially as North American hyperscalers expanded fourth-gen EPIC processor deployments to power their internal workloads and public instances. Amazon, Alibaba, Google, Microsoft, and Oracle brought more than 55 AMD-powered AI, HPC, and general-purpose cloud instances into preview or general availability in the fourth quarter. Exiting 2023, there were more than 800 Epic CPU-based public cloud instances available. We expect this number to grow in 2024 based on the leadership performance, efficiency, and features of our Epic CPU portfolio. In enterprise, sales accelerated by a significant double-digit percentage in the quarter as we built momentum with Forbes 2000 customers. We closed multiple wins with large financial, energy, automotive, retail, technology, and pharmaceutical companies, 
positioning us well for continued growth based on expanded production deployments planned for 2024. A growing number of customers are adopting EPIC CPUs for inferencing workloads where our leadership throughput performance delivers significant advantages on smaller models like LAMA 7B, as well as to power head nodes in large training and inference clusters. Looking ahead, customer excitement for our upcoming Turin family of EPIC processors is very strong. Turin is a drop-in replacement for existing fourth-gen EPIC platforms that extends our performance, efficiency, and TCO leadership with the addition of our next-gen Zen 5 core, new memory expansion capabilities, and higher core counts. Internal and end customer validation work is progressing to plan, with Turin on track to deliver overall performance leadership, as well as leadership on a per core or per watt basis across a wide range of workloads when it launches later this year. Turning to our broader data center portfolio, our data center GPU business accelerated significantly in the quarter, with revenue exceeding our 400 million expectation, driven by a faster ramp for MI300X with AI customers. We launched our MI300 Accelerator family in December with strong partner and ecosystem support from multiple large cloud providers, all the major OEMs, and many leading AI developers. MI300X GPUs deliver leadership generative AI performance by combining our high-performance CDNA3 architecture with industry-leading memory bandwidth and capacity. Customer response to MI300 has been overwhelmingly positive and we are aggressively ramping production to support the dozens of cloud, enterprise, and supercomputing customers deploying Instinct accelerators. In cloud, we are working closely with Microsoft, Oracle, Meta, and other large cloud customers on Instinct GPU deployments, powering both their internal AI workloads and external offerings. For enterprise customers, HPE, Dell, Lenovo, Supermicro, and other server vendors are on track to launch differentiated MI300 platforms later this quarter with strong demand from multiple enterprise customers. In HPC supercomputing, we ship the majority of AMD Instinct MI300A accelerators for the El Capitan supercomputer in the fourth quarter and expect to complete shipments this quarter for what is expected to be the world's fastest supercomputer when it comes online later this year. We also close new Instinct GPU wins in the quarter, including the flagship system at the German High Performance Computing Center, HLRS, as well as what is expected to be one of the world's most powerful enterprise supercomputers for energy company ENI. On AI software development, we made significant progress expanding the ecosystem of AI developers working on AMD platforms with the release of our Rockham 6 software suite. The Rockham 6 stack significantly increases performance in key generative AI workloads, adds expanded support and optimizations for additional frameworks and libraries, and simplifies the overall developer experience. The additional functionality and optimizations of Rockham 6 and the growing volume of contributions from the open source AI software community are enabling multiple large hyperscale and enterprise customers to rapidly bring up their most advanced large language models on AMD Instinct accelerators. For example, we are very pleased to see how quickly Microsoft was able to bring up GPT-4 on MI300X in their production environment and roll out Azure private previews of new MI300 instances aligned with the MI300X launch. At the same time, our partnership with Hugging Face, the leading open platform for the AI community, now enables hundreds of thousands of AI models to run out of the box on AMD GPUs, and we are extending that collaboration to our other platforms. Looking ahead, our prior guidance was for data center GPU revenue to be flattish from Q4 to Q1 and exceed $2 billion for 2024. Based on the strong customer pull and expanded engagements, we now expect data center GPU revenue to grow sequentially in the first quarter and exceed $3.5 billion in 2024. We have also made significant progress with our supply chain partners and have secured additional capacity to support upside demand. Turning to our client segment, revenue was $1.5 billion, an increase of 62% year-over-year and flat sequentially. We launched our latest generation Ryzen 8000 series notebooks and desktop processors in January, 
including our Ryzen 8040 mobile series that combine leadership compute performance and energy efficiency with an updated MPU that delivers up to 60% more AI performance compared to our prior generation that was already industry leading. Acer, ASUS, HP, Lenovo, MSI, and other large PC OEMs will all offer notebooks powered by our Ryzen 8000 series processors, with the first systems expected to go on sale in February. To further our leadership in AI PCs, we launched our Ryzen 8000G series processors earlier this month, which are the industry's first desktop CPUs with an integrated AI engine. Millions of AI PCs powered by Ryzen processors have shipped to date, and Ryzen CPUs power more than 90% of AI-enabled PCs currently in market. Our work with Microsoft and our PC ecosystem partners to enable the next generation of AI PCs expanded significantly in the quarter. We are aggressively driving our Ryzen AI CPU roadmap to extend our AI leadership, including our next-gen Strix processors that are expected to deliver more than 3x the AI performance of our Ryzen 7040 series processors. Strix combines our next-gen Zen 5 core with enhanced RDNA graphics and an updated Ryzen AI engine to significantly increase the performance, energy efficiency, and AI capabilities of PCs. Customer momentum for Strix is strong, with the first notebooks on track to launch later this year. Looking at 2024, we are planning for the PC TAM to grow modestly year-on-year, year, weighted towards the second half as AI PCs ramp. We continue to see strong growth opportunities for our client business as we ramp our current products, extend our AI PC leadership, and launch our next wave of Zen 5 CPUs. Now turning to our gaming segment, revenue declined 17% year-over-year and 9% sequentially to $1.4 billion as lower semi-custom revenue was partially offset by increased sales of Radeon GPUs. Semi-custom SOC sales declined in line with our projections in the quarter. Going forward, we now expect annual revenue to decline by a significant double-digit percentage year-over-year, year, as supply caught up with demand in 2023, and we enter the fifth year of what has been a very strong console cycle. In gaming graphics, revenue grew both year-over-year year and sequentially driven by strong demand in the channel for both our Radeon 6000 and Radeon 7000 series GPUs. We expanded our Radeon 7000 GPU series with the launch of new RX 7600 XT series enthusiast desktop GPUs earlier this month that offer leadership price performance for 1080p gaming. We also launched new open-source Fidelity FX Super Resolution 3 software that can deliver significantly higher gaming frame rates on both GPUs and APUs. Turning to our embedded segment, revenue decreased 24% year-over-year and 15% sequentially to $1.1 billion as customers focused on reducing their inventory levels. We expanded our embedded portfolio in the quarter with new leadership solutions for key markets. We launched new Versal Prime Adaptive SOCs for the aerospace, test and measurement, healthcare, and communications markets that deliver industry-first support for DDR5 memory and increased DSP capability compared to our prior generation. In automotive, we launched new Versal SOC solutions that bring industry-leading AI compute capabilities and advanced safety and security features to next-generation vehicles. We also launched Ryzen embedded processors with unmatched performance and features for industrial automation, machine vision, robotics, and edge server applications. Looking at 2024, we expect overall embedded demand will remain soft through the first half of the year as customers continue to focus on normalizing their inventory levels. Longer term, we're very confident in the growth trajectory of our embedded business our, as our expanded product portfolio drove more than 10 billion of design wins in 2023, an increase of more than 25% compared to 2022. In summary, I'm very pleased with our fourth quarter and full year results. For 2024, we expect the demand environment to remain mixed with strong growth in our data center and client segments offset by declines in our embedded and gaming segments. Against this backdrop, we believe we will deliver strong annual revenue growth and expand gross margin driven by the strength of our Instinct, Epic, and Ryzen product portfolios. 
Taking a step back, we believe AI is a once-in-a-generation transition that will reshape virtually every portion of the computing market, starting in the data center and then expanding into PCs and across multiple embedded markets. We have built excellent customer traction based on the strength of our multi-year AI hardware and software roadmaps, and we see clear opportunities to drive our next wave of growth as we deliver leadership AI solutions across our portfolio. In the data center, we see 2024 as a start of a multi-year AI adoption cycle, with the market for data center AI accelerators growing to approximately $400 billion in 2027. Customer deployments of our Instinct GPUs continues accelerating, with MI300 now tracking to be the fastest revenue ramp of any product in our history and positioning us well to capture significant share over the coming years based on the strength of our multi-generation Instinct GPU roadmap and open source Rockham software strategy. In PCs, we're focused on delivering our long-term roadmaps with leadership Ryzen AI NPU capabilities to enable differentiated experiences as Microsoft and our other software partners bring new AI capabilities to PCs starting later this year. At the same time, we're rapidly driving leadership AI compute capabilities across the full breadth of our embedded product portfolio. This is an incredibly exciting time for the industry and an even more exciting time for AMD as our leadership IP, broad product portfolio, and deep customer relationships position us well to deliver significant revenue growth and earnings expansion over the next several years. Now I'd like to turn the call over to Gene to provide some additional color on our fourth quarter and full year financial results. Gene? Thank you, Lisa, and good afternoon, everyone. I'll start with a review of our financial results and then provide our current outlook for the first quarter of fiscal 2024. AMD executed well in 2023 despite of a mixed market demand environment, delivering revenue of $22.7 billion and earnings per share of $2.65. We drove year-over-year revenue growth in our embedded and data center segments. In addition, we successfully launched our AMD Instinct MI300 GPUs, positioning us for a strong ramp in 2024 in the AI market. For the fourth quarter of 2023, revenue was $6.2 billion, growing 10% year-over-year as revenue growth in the data center and the client segments was partially offset by the lower revenue in our embedded and the gaming segments. Revenue was up 6% sequentially, primarily driven by the ramp of AMD Instinct GPUs across several leading customers and high revenue from Epic server processors, partially offset by the decline in embedded and gaming segment revenues. Gross margin was 51%, flat year over year, with higher revenue contribution from the data center and the client segments offset by lower embedded segment revenue. Operating expenses were $1.7 billion, an increase of 8% year-over-year as we invest in R&D and marketing activities to support our significant AI growth opportunities. Operating income was $1.4 billion, representing a 23% operating margin. Taxes, interest expense, and other was $163 million. For the fourth quarter of 2023, diluted earning per share was $0.77, cents, an increase of 12% year-over-year. Now turning to our reportable segments. Starting with the data center segment, revenue was $2.3 billion, up 38% year-over-year and 43% sequentially, driven by strong growth of both AMD Instinct GPU and the fourth-generation AMD Epic CPU sales. Data center segment operating income was $666 million, or 29% of revenue, compared to $444 million, or 27% a year ago. Higher operating income was primarily due to operating leverage driven by higher revenue. Client segment revenue was $1.5 billion, up 62% year-over-year driven by Ryzen 7000 series CPU sales. Client segment operating income was $55 million, or 4% of revenue, 
compared to an operating loss of 152 million a year ago, driven by higher revenue. Gaming segment revenue was 1.4 billion, down 17% year-over-year and 9% sequentially due to a decrease in semi-customer revenue, partially offset by increase in Radeon GPU sales. Gaming segment operating income was 224 million, or 16% of revenue, compared to 266 million, or 16% a year ago. Embedded segment revenue was 1.1 billion, down 24% year-over-year and 15% sequentially as customers continue to work down their inventory levels. Embedded segment operating income was 461 million, or 44% of revenue, compared to 699 million, or 50% a year ago. Turning to the balance sheet and the cash flow, during the quarter, we generated 381 million in cash from operations, and the free cash flow was 242 million. Inventory decreased sequentially by 94 million to 4.4 billion. At the end of the quarter, cash, cash equivalents, and short-term investment was strong at 5.8 billion. In the fourth quarter, we repurchased 2 million shares and returned 233 million to shareholders. For the year, we repurchased 10 million shares and returned 985 million to shareholders. We have 5.6 billion in remaining share repurchase authorization. Now turning to our first quarter of 2024 outlook. We expect revenue to be approximately 5.4 billion plus or minus 300 million. Sequentially, we expect data center segment revenue to be flat with a seasonal decline in server sales offset by strong data center GPU ramp. Embedded revenue to decline as customers continue to work down their inventory levels. Client segment revenue to decline seasonally and in the gaming segment, as we enter the fifth year of what has been a very strong gaming cycle and given current customer inventory levels, we expect revenue to decline by significant double-digit percentage. Year over year, we expect data center and client segment revenues to increase by strong double-digit percentage given the strength of our product portfolio and the share gain opportunities. Invest segment to decline and the gaming segment revenue to decline by significant double-digit percentage. In addition, we expect the first quarter non-GAAP gross margin to be approximately 52%, non-GAAP operating expenses to be approximately 1.73 billion, non-GAAP effective tax rate to be 13%, and the diluted share count is expected to be approximately 1.63 billion shares. While we are not providing specific full-year guidance for 2024, let me provide some color. Directionally for the year, we expect 2024 data center and the client segment revenue to increase, driven by the strength of our product portfolio and the share gain opportunities. Embedded segment revenue to decline, and the gaming segment revenue to decline by significant double-digit percentage. We expect to expand gross margin in 2024 and continue to invest to address the large AI opportunities while driving operating model leverage to deliver earnings per share growth faster than top-line revenue growth. In closing, we delivered solid financial results in 2023, further strengthening our product portfolio and establishing ourselves as a leading provider of data center GPUs for AI. We are very well positioned to build on this momentum and deliver strong financial performance in 2024 and beyond. With that, I'll turn it back to Mitch for the Q&A session. Thank you, Gene. John, we're happy to poll the audience for questions. Thank you, Mitch. We will now be conducting a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate that your line is in the queue. You may press star 2 if you'd like to remove a question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. 
We ask that you please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up. Thank you. One moment, please, while we poll for questions. And the first question comes from the line of Aaron Rackers from Wells Fargo. Please proceed with your question. Yeah, thanks uh, for taking the question. Uh, just kind of framing the, the outlook and the guidance for this calendar first quarter, I guess the, the first question is, you know, can you help us on a relative basis, the $400 million of data center GP revenue that you expected in Q4, what that, uh, that ultimately kind of fell out to be? And then on the guidance into 1Q, can, can you help us appreciate what seasonal, you know, is defined as as we think about the server business uh, into the 1Q guide? Sure, Aaron. Um, let me start and then see if Gene has something to add. So, uh, you know, relative to the data center GPU business, look, we were very pleased with performance uh, that we saw in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, it was always going to be a very um, sort of back-end quarter uh, weighted as we were, you know, ramping the product. And we saw um, MI300A, um, our uh, HPC product, actually uh, ramped very well. And then we, we saw um, MI300X, um, the uh, AI product actually um, exceed our expectations based on uh, strong customer demand, uh, the way the qualifications went, and then the ramp, um, manufacturing ramp. So we were over $400 million, um, for that business in um, the fourth quarter. And then going into the first quarter, you know, as we look at the business, you know, server seasonality, um, you know, call it something around, um, let's call it high single digit, low double digit. Uh, there are also some other pieces of the data center business. I think the key piece of it is... Um, we had originally expected uh, the ramp to be a little bit more shallow of our MI300X, and uh, what we're seeing now is um, you know, the supply chain is uh, operating really well and the customer uh, demand is strong, and so we will see um, MI300X uh, increase as we go into the first quarter, and um, you know, things are going uh, relatively well. So. Yeah, uh, Aaron, yeah. I'll give you some color. Aaron, I'll give you some color about uh, uh, client seasonality and others. So client is very similar to server. Typically, Q1 is high single digit to low double digit. Uh, that's consistent with the past. Uh, on the embedded side, uh, it's very consistent with what what we said in the past, uh, and consistent with what you see in the industry. Is uh, uh, embedded business is going through a bottoming process, and uh, we think uh, Q1 uh, it will have a low double digit sequential decline. Um, that's uh, embedded. Um, on the gaming side, uh, you know, Lisa mentioned during his her re re prepared remarks is uh, we have the late stage of product cycle. Uh, in the year five of gaming console, but at the same time, we also have inventory at the customers. So the combination of those impact, uh, we expect the Q1 gaming sequential declines, probably more than 30%. So hopefully that help you a little bit. Yeah, very helpful, Gene. And as a quick follow-up, I'm just curious, the, the traditional server demand that you see, I know when we look at server CPU, you know, shipments are down, you know, north of 20% year over year. Uh, are you seeing any signals or how are you thinking about a, a recovery in that traditional, call it non-AI general purpose server market as we move through 24? Sure, Aaron. So, look, I think, uh, you know, I, I agree with your um, uh, characterization of the 2023 um, demand, although we did see, um, you know, some strong progress in the second half of the year, especially as uh, customers in cloud and enterprise adopted our Genoa and our Zen 4 family. So going into 2024, I would say the traditional server market is um, probably still mixed, especially into the first half of the year. Uh, there's still some cloud optimization going on as well as, you know, sort of enterprise, um, you know, being a little bit cautious. That being the case, though, um, you know, we also see opportunities for us to continue to grow share um, in uh, the traditional server business. I think our portfolio is extremely strong. Um, the adoption of, um, you know, Genoa and Bergamo, as well as our new Sienna product lines, um, are getting um, a lot of traction. And then we also see, um, you know, Turin, our Zen 5 product, coming in the second half of the year. So even in a mixed demand environment, I think we're bullish on what um, traditional server CPUs um, can do in 2024. And the next question comes from the line of Timothy Arcuri with UBS. Please proceed with your question. Thanks a lot. Um, Lisa, I'm wondering if you can give us a little bit of sense in terms of the milepost that you're kind of, you know, marching toward on this $400 billion TAN that you have for, you know, 2027. Um, for example, do you think you can gain share 
at a rate that's kind of similar to the rate that you gain share for server CPU? Um, or I guess maybe asked a different way, is it reasonable to kind of look at your consumer GPU share of 20 plus percent? Is that a reasonable bogey or do you have aspirations higher than that perhaps? Uh, yeah, thanks, Tim, for the question. You know, I, I would say um, a couple things. First of all, uh, we're really pleased with the progress that we've made in our data center GPU business. Um, I think the uh, the ramp that we've seen, the customer traction that we've seen, even um, in the last few months, I think has, uh, has been great. And um, that gives us a lot of confidence in the ramp of this business. I think the beauty of the, you know, AI market here is it's growing so quickly that um, I think we have both the market dynamic as well as our ability to gain share um, in that uh, framework. Um, the point I will make is, you know, our customer engagements right now um, are all quite strategic, um, you know, dozens of customers with uh, multi-generational conversations. So as excited as we are about the ramp of MI300, and frankly, there's a lot to do um, in 2024, um, we're also very um, excited about the opportunities to extend that um, into the next um, couple of years, um, you know, out into that, uh, you know, 25, 26, 27 timeframe. So I think we see a lot of growth. I think it's a little early to make uh, market share projections, but I would say it's a uh, significant growth driver given the market um, demand as well as you know our own you know product uh, capabilities. Thanks a lot, Gene. I guess as a um, follow up, I know that you don't want to guide the f you know full year, but I'm wondering if I can pin you down just to touch on maybe a maybe a you know milepost that you're kind of uh, you know marching to for 2024 growth is up 20% for the whole company. Is that a reasonable target? And then I guess within, you know, data center, if you just add the incremental, you know, data center GPU revenue and you assume that the server business grows a little bit, it seems like that should maybe double year over year. But I'm kind of wondering if you can give us any ranges on those numbers. Thanks. Hi, Tim. Thank you for the question. Uh, yeah, we're, we're not guiding a year. Um, it's a very early of the year, literally, you know, January. Uh, I think the way to think about it is, uh, you know, Lisa mentioned that during her prepared remarks, uh, we feel pretty good about uh, both our data center and client business to grow in 2024. Of course, uh, the largest incremental revenue opportunities are going to come from data center uh, between both uh, the server side gaining more share and the data center GPU side uh, with a significant ramp of our MI300. I think uh, uh, that's uh, that's how we think about it. Uh, we do have a headwind from uh, um, gaming segment. Uh, we do think year over year we'll see very significant uh, double-digit decline on the gaming segment. And uh, at the same time, Embedded is going through the bottoming process. We do think the second half will see the recovery. So those are the puts and the takes. Uh, I, I can talk about it. And the next question comes from the line of Matt Ramsey with TD Cowan. Please proceed with your question. Um, thank you very much. Uh, good afternoon. Um, Lisa, I, I wanted to ask, I mean, there's, there's been so much um, focus and scrutiny as there should be on, on this uh, really exciting progression with MI300. Um, and, and I mean, we've progressed over the last six months from, I, I think, some doubts um, in the investment community on, as to, to software and, and your ability to ramp the product. And now you've, you've proven that you're ramping it with, I think you said, dozens of customers, right, across different end markets. So I, and that it's, what I'm interested in hearing a little bit more about, and you guys have been open about what some of the forward programs in your traditional server business look like from a roadmap perspective. I, I'd be interested to hear how you're thinking about the roadmap in your, your MI um, accelerator family. Is it going to, they're going to continue to be parts that are um, CPU and GPU together? Is it a primarily a GPU only roadmap? What kind of cadence are you thinking about? Uh, I'd just be any kind of color you can give us on some of the forward roadmap trajectory for, for that program would be really helpful. Thanks. Yeah, sure, Matt. So, um, you know, appreciate the comments. I think the, um, you know, the traction that we're getting with the MI300 family is um, is really strong. Um, I think what's benefited us here is our use of chiplet technologies, uh, which has given us the ability to have, you know, sort of uh, both the um, the APU version um, as well as uh, the GPU version. And, you know, we continue to use that um, to differentiate ourselves, and that's how we get our memory bandwidth and memory capacity um, advantages. Um, as 
as we go forward, you can imagine, like we did in the EPIC timeframe, uh, we plan multiple generations um, in sequence. Uh, that's the way we're planning the roadmap. Um, you know, one of the things I will note about the AI uh, accelerator market is um, the demand for compute is so high that we are seeing, um, you know, sort of an acceleration of uh, the roadmap, um, you know, generations here, and we are similarly planning um, acceleration of our roadmap. Um, I would say that, you know, we'll talk more about the um, overall roadmap beyond MI300 as we get into uh, later this year, but the, you, know, you can um, be assured that we're working very closely with our customers um, to have a very competitive roadmap for both training and inference um, that um, uh, will come out over the next uh, couple of years. No, thank you for that, Lisa. Um, just as a, a follow-up, um, I, I guess one of the questions that I've, I've been getting a lot in different forms is, with respect to the, the $400 billion TAM that you guys have laid out for, for 2027. Maybe you could give us a, a little look under the hood as to, uh, I, I guess, the, the I've gotten 100 versions of the same question, which is how the heck did you come up with that number? Um, so if, if you could give us a little bit more in terms of, are, are we talking about systems and accelerator cards? Are we talking about just the silicon? Are we talking about full servers? I, I, and, and what kind of sort of unit assumptions, any kind of thing that you can give us on market sizing or what gives you the visibility so early into this generative AI trend to, to give a precise number three years out. Um, that would be really, really helpful. Thank you. Sure. Well, Matt, I don't know how precise it is, but I think we said approximately $400 billion. But I, I think what we need to look at is growth rate and how do we get to those growth rates. Um, I think we expect, you know, units to grow, um, you know, sort of substantial double-digit percentage. But you should also expect that content is going to grow. So if you think about, you know, how important uh, memory and memory capacity is um, as we uh, as we go forward, you can imagine that, you know, we'll, we'll see, um, you know, acceleration there and just the overall overall um, content um, as we go to, you know, more advanced uh, technology nodes. So there's some um, ASP uplift in there. And then um, what we also do is, you know, we're planning longer-term roadmaps with our customers in terms of how they're thinking about, um, you know, sort of the, the size of training clusters, the number of training clusters, um, and then um, the fact that, you know, we believe inference is actually going to exceed training um, as we go uh, into uh, the next couple of years, just given, um, you know, as more enterprises adopt. So I think as we look at all of those pieces, um, I think we feel good that the growth rate is going to be um, you know, significant and sustained um, over the next few years. Um, in terms of what's in that TAM, um, it really is accelerator town. So within accelerators, um, uh, there are you know certainly GPUs, and there will also be some ASICs um, that are uh, or other accelerators that are um, you know in that TAM. Um, as we think about sort of the different types of models, from you know smaller uh, models to fine tuning of models to you know very the, the largest um, large language models, I think you're going to need different silicon um, for those uh, you know different use cases. But from our standpoint, um, you know. GPUs GPUs are still going to be the uh, you know, sort of the compute element of choice uh, when you're talking about training and inferencing on the uh, largest language models. And the next question comes from the line of Joe Moore with Morgan Stanley. Please proceed with your question. Great, thank you. Um, I think you talked about the MI300 cloud workloads being kind of split between the more customer-facing workloads versus internal. Can you talk about how you see the breakdown of that and, and how, um, you know, how is your ecosystem progressing? This is a brand-new chip. Uh, it seems impressive that you're able to support kind of a broad range of, of customer-facing workloads in cloud. Uh, yeah, sure, Joe. So, um, yes, look, we are um, really happy with how um, the MI300 has come up, and, you know, we've now deployed um, and, uh, you know, working with a number of customers. Uh, what we have seen is, is certainly Rockham 6 has been uh, very important, um, as well as the direct optimization with our top cloud customers. We always said that, you know, the best way of optimizing the software is working directly on the most important um, workloads. And, you know, we've seen uh, performance, uh, you know, come up nicely, which is what we expect, frankly, uh, with, um, you know, the, uh, the GPU capabilities that we would have to do some level of optimization, but that optimization has gone well. I think to your broader question, um, you know, the way I look at this is um, there, there are um, lots of opportunities for us to work directly with um, large customers, both on the cloud side as well as on the enterprise side, who have specific training 
and um, inferencing uh, workloads. You know, our job is to make it as easy as possible for them. And so um, our entire uh, tool chain, um, you know, all of, you know, our, uh, you know, sort of the overall, you know, Rockland Suite has um, really gone through, um, you know, significant progress over the last, um, you know, six to nine months. And then we're also getting some nice support from the open source community. So the work that Hugging Face is doing um, is tremendous in terms of, you know, just real-time optimization um, on our hardware, um, you know, our partnership with OpenAI on Triton um, and our work, uh, you know, across, um, you know, a number of uh, these, um, uh, these uh, you know, open source models has, has helped us actually make very rapid progress. Great. And, and for my follow-up, I guess, you know, a lot of the forecasting of your business that I'm hearing is coming from supply chain, and we're sort of hearing AMD's building X in, in Asia. Um, I guess, how would you ask us to think about that? You know, are you looking at being kind of sold out for the year, and so the supply chain would be close to revenue? Are you building for the best-case scenario? Just, you know, I worry about sometimes expectations when people hear these supply chain numbers, and I'm just curious how you would bridge the gap. Yeah, so I mean, Joe, I think we updated um, our revenue expectations, um, you know, this quarter from you know our original uh, number of two billion to three and a half billion to try to give uh, you know some uh, some bounding on um, some of the discussion out there. Um, the, the way to think about you know the three and a half billion is you know these are customers that we're working with um, who have you know given us firm commitments on what they need. Um, as you know, the lead times on these products are quite long, so it's important um, you know to have um, you know, those forecasts in early, and, and we have a strong order book, so that gives us, um, you know, good confidence to, um, you know, exceed the $3.5 billion. Um, from a supply chain standpoint, our goal is always to build more supply, uh, we, um, and so from that standpoint, um, you know, we have also worked with our supply chain partners and secured uh, significant capacity. You know, think about it as first half capacity is tight um, and more comes on in the second half of the year, but, you know, we've certainly made more progress there. So, um, you know, we do have more supply and we're going to continue to work with our customers on their deployments and we'll update that number as we go through the year. And the next question comes from the line of Toshia Hari with Goldman Sachs. Please proceed with your question. Hi, thank you for taking the question. Um, I had one on the uh, MI300 as well, Lisa. Um, I, I guess, first of all, how, how should we think about the quarterly tra trajectory beyond uh, Q1? You talked about Q1 being up sequentially. Um, you know, is it fair to assume kind of a straight line as, as we progress through, you know, the balance of the year, or is it more second half skewed? Uh, how should we think about that? And I guess more importantly, you know, some of the cloud uh, potential customers that have yet to, to officially sign up for sign off uh, on the MI300, um, I, I guess what's the sticking point? Is it just a, a function of time and, you know, you just need a little bit more time to go back and forth and tweak things? Or, you know, is there a software kind of concern? Um, I, I guess what's holding them back at this point? Yeah. Uh yeah, Toshia, thanks for the question. So um, first on the um, MI300 uh, trajectory, I think you would expect that, you know, revenue should increase every quarter um, from now through, um, you know, sort of the end of the year, uh, but it will be a bit more second half weighted. And, you know, part of that is just, um, you know, customers as they're, um, you know, finishing up their qualifications um, in their lines, as well as, uh, you know, sort of how our supply um, you know, chain is, is ramping. So, um, yes, it should increase each quarter, uh, but be a bit more uh, second half weighted. And then, you know, to your comment about customers, look, we're engaged with um, all of, you know, sort of the, the large customers. Um, you know, th these are all uh, folks that know us really well, given our deep relationships in Epic. Um, I think people just have different adoption cycles as they consider what they're trying to do um, in their roadmap. Um, but I view this as, you know, still very, very early innings, um, you know, for us, um, you know, in this space. And I think, you know, a question was asked earlier. I think the key is this is not just about an MI300 conversation, um, but it really is about, you know, sort of our long-term multi-generational roadmap. And so that's the context on which, um, you know, we're working uh, with our largest customers, as well as, um, as you know, there's a lot of demand coming from, um, you know, folks that are more AI-centric and, you know, not necessarily typical cloud uh, customers, but, you know, more um, enterprise or, you know, let's call it AI-specific, um, you know, companies that we're also very uh, well engaged with. Got it. That, that's super helpful. And then as my follow-up, maybe one for Gene on, on the gross margin side, you're, you're guiding Q1 to, to 52%. I'm curious, again, I, I'm sure you're not going to give you know, quantitative guidance beyond Q1, but how to think about 
um, the, the trajectory uh, for, for Q2 and beyond. Uh, I'm pretty sure you're, you're working through some kinks as it pertains to uh, the instinct uh, ramp. Hopefully that improves over time. So, so that should be a tailwind. Um, FPGAs, perhaps the second half, you know, uh, turns for the better. Um, and you've got server, server CPU uh, volume growth throughout the year. So it feels like you've got multiple tailwinds as we think about gross margin progression on a sequential basis. But what are the potential headwinds uh, as, as we move um, throughout 2024? Thank you. Yeah, Toshia, thank you for the question. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. We have uh, uh, some puts and the takes that impact our gross margin. Uh, we guided the Q1 120 basis point higher than Q4 sequentially, uh, primarily because the higher data center contribution actually more than offset uh, the decline of embedded business in Q1. Uh, going forward, the way to think about it is, as you said, is the major driver is going to be data center business is going to grow much faster than other segment. That makes change will help us to expand the gross margin nicely. Uh, I think you also are are spot on on the embedded uh, coming back in second half, which will be a tailwind with the um, data center GPU. Uh, we are at a very early stage of ramp. We are improving testing time yield and uh, continue to expand gross margin, and we expect it to be accretive to corporate average. So those are all the tailwinds coming in the second half. Uh, I would say um, the headwinds side uh, continue to be, you know, in the first half we see embedded business um, yeah, not only you know Q1 we see sequential decline, Q2 probably are going to be sequentially flattish versus Q1. That is a headwind for us uh, because it does have a very nice gross margin. But overall, we feel pretty good about uh, you know the trajectory of the gross margin improvement, uh, uh, especially second half. And the next question comes from the line of Ross Seymour with Deutsche Bank. Please proceed with your question. Hi, thanks for letting me ask a question. I wanted to get into the competitive environment. First on the, uh, the instinct side of things, uh, how that's going, it doesn't seem to be slowing down your ramp whatsoever, but then also on this, the straight server CPU side of things. Lisa, you said you're gaining share in, in that area, but as we think about future roadmaps, pricing incentives, those sorts of things, any meaningful change in the competitive environment that you're seeing throughout the 2024? Uh, sure, Rob. Um, so look, I think the um, the environment for us is always competitive. So I think that um, that has not changed. Um, if I look at the instinct side, I think we have um, I think we've shown that uh, you know MI three hundred and um, our roadmap are are actually very competitive. Um, you know, there are some places where you know let's call it. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, more even like in the training environment, but as we look at the inferencing environment, um, you know, we think we have significant advantages and, you know, that's, um, that's shown through in some of our, our customer work. Um, so we think, you know, for both training and inference, uh, you know, we will um, continue to be very competitive. Um, and then as um, you go into the CPU side, you know, again, um, you know, from our view, uh, you know, with each generation of Epic, we've continued to gain share. I think we're, we exited the fourth quarter at, at record share. Um, you know, for AMD, uh, and we're still quite underrepresented in um, in enterprise. So I think there's an opportunity for us to continue to gain share as we go through 2024. Um, from a competitive standpoint, um, you know, what we see is um, you know Zen 4 is um, extremely competitive right now uh, with uh, Genoa, Bergamo, Siena. And as uh, we go into Turin, uh, we're deep in the uh, design um, in cycle for um, you know, Zen 5 in Turin, and, and we feel very good about how we're positioned. Thanks for that. I guess as my follow-up, uh, on the data center side, another theme that's been pervasive throughout 2023 at least was the, the GPU side crowding out the CPU side. You mentioned that there was still a little bit of cloud digestion going on within your Epic business, but where do you see that standing? Uh, I know you're going to gain share, et cetera, but how, you guys clearly benefit from the instinct side, the data center GPU side, but what about on the CPU side of things? Is that headwind now behind us, or is it still an issue? 
I think we expect the CPU business from a market standpoint to grow, Ross, as we go into 2024. Um, I think the rate and pace of growth will depend a little bit on the macro and just, you know, overall CapEx, uh, you know, trends. Um, but, you know, from our standpoint, um, you know, we are starting to see um, some of our larger customers, you know, plan their refresh cycles. There's a lot of, let's call it older equipment that has yet to be, uh, you know, refreshed. And, you know, the value proposition for refresh is so strong because, you know, the energy efficiency and sort of the footprint um, of the newer generations are so much better than sort of the four or five-year-old infrastructure that we do see that refresh cycle happening um, as we get into 2024. I think the exact timing we'll have to, you know, understand more um, as it uh, as the market evolves as we go through the year. And the next question comes from the line of Vivek Arya with Bank of America Securities. Please proceed with your question. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. Um, so first one, um, Lisa, from, you know, you gave us a $2 billion plus number for MI before. Now you have raised it to over $3.5 billion. And I'm curious, what drove the change? Was it incremental demand signals? Was it supply? And, um, you know, can, can you supply more if, let's say, demand is 4 or 5 or $6 billion, right? What What is the uh, limitation? And sort of related to that, um, on the competition side, your, your competitor will launch their B100 um, later in the year, do you think that will change the competitive landscape in any way? Uh, yes, sure, Vivek. So um, I think what uh, we said is um, as we went from two to three and a half billion, uh, it really is mostly customer demand signals. So um, as um, you know, orders have come on books and as we've seen programs move from let's call it pilot programs into uh, full manufacturing programs, uh, we have um, you know, updated the revenue forecast. Um, as I said earlier, from a supply standpoint, we are planning for success, and so we've worked closely with our supply chain partners uh, to ensure that um, you know, we can ship more uh, than uh, $3.5 billion, um, substantially more, depending on uh, what customer demand is as we go into to the second half of the year. And then, you know, in terms of, uh, again, you know, roadmaps, um, as I said, we're, we're very focused on a competitive roadmap, this, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, sort of what the next generations are beyond MI300. So I, I do believe that, uh, you know, we have a strong roadmap in place and continue to work with our customers to, um, you know, sort of uh, adopt our roadmap as, as quickly as possible. All right. And, um a longer-term question, Lisa, if I look at um, the success that AMD has enjoyed, it's, it's many factors, but a few of them included your early adoption of chiplets and then the strong partnerships we have had with uh, TSMC. But now, you know, we are seeing your uh, x86 competitor, uh, Intel, also adopt uh, chiplet or, or tile technology, as they call it. And then I think recently the manufacturing update they gave, uh, they said they are two years ahead uh, you know, in terms of incorporating gate all around and backside uh, power delivery. Um, so let's assume they are right and, and they have either caught up to TSMC or, you know, maybe they are ahead. What impact does that have on AMD in kind of the medium to longer term? Yeah, sure, Vivek. Look, you know, we're always looking at what's next, right? So on the chiplet technology, I mean, we're we're sort of on the fourth generation of the chiplet technologies. I think we've learned a lot about how to optimize uh, performance there. Uh, we are, uh, you know, very aggressive with our adoption of leading edge technology uh, as it's needed. Um, but I think those are um, only, uh, you know, a few of the pieces. Uh, we're also focused on continuing to innovate on architecture and design. So I, I think the longer term question that you ask is, you know, I think we're expecting that um, the, you know, competition is going to be on a similar process technology. Technology. And um, even in that case, um, you know, I think we feel like we have a very strong roadmap going forward and we'll continue to, um, to drive both the CPU and the GPU roadmap, uh, you know, very uh, aggressively. And the next question comes from the line of Harsh Kumar with Piper Sandler. Please proceed with your question. Yeah, hey, uh, thanks for letting me ask a question, guys. Uh, I had two questions. Let me start off with the uh, accelerator side. The question we get a lot from our customers is they want to understand the value proposition of the MI300. So, Lisa, I was hoping you could give us some understanding of price versus power comparison or compute power. And then today, are you seeing your customers that are buying um, the MI300, are they primarily buying it for inferencing today or are they using it primarily for tooling and maybe for Gene, uh, Gene, do you think is it possible for MI300 to finish the year at a run rate of about 1.5 billion. 
Okay, Harsh, so um, let me start. So your, your question about the value proposition for MI300, um, you know, again, customers are using it for different reasons, but um, presume that uh, there is a, a performance per dollar uh, benefit uh, to using AMD. So that's that's one piece of it. Um, the other piece of it, though, is uh, you know we um, intrinsically have um, more memory bandwidth and memory capacity on MI300X uh, compared uh, to the competition. And what that means is for large language models um, that are, are, are many tens of billions of parameters, uh, you make uh, you could potentially do uh, the workload in fewer GPUs. So it's a substantial um, you know, system savings and allows you to do much more work um, you know, within um, you know, the same system. Um, in terms of what customers are using MI300 for today, um, I would say uh, there are a number of customers using it for large language model inferencing, um, and there are also um, you know, customers that are using it for, uh, for training. So I think the the whole point is being a, um, a strong partner. When you put these AI systems in place, um, you know they are uh, you know sometimes mixed-use systems, so they would be used for both training um, and uh, and inference. John, we have time for two more questions. Uh, yeah, Hush, let me answer your question about the uh, MI300. Uh, exiting uh, Q4 2024, is it possible to get to 1.5? Um, it is possible, right? Because uh, Lisa mentioned earlier, we'll see sequential increase each quarter and the more back and loaded in second half. And uh, we do have a supplies more than 3.5 billion. And uh, uh, of course, we'll continue to make progress with our customers. Uh, so the, the, the math, yeah, it's possible. But right now, we are really looking at uh, uh, focus on the execution of the current uh, 3.5 billion plus. And the next question comes from the line of Stacy Rasgin with Bernstein Research. Please proceed with your question. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, so the first one, you, you, you had talked about that you had expected a more shallow ramp of the MI300, and, and it's clearly doing better than that. So is, is some of the upside, I guess, in the near term, is that being pulled forward from the second half, or is this like a step up, or is it more of a step up in demand both in the first half and the second half relative to what you were seeing before? Like, how do I, yeah. how do I interpret that, like, shallow comment that you made? Sure, Stacey. Um, I, I don't think it's a, it's a pull forward of demand. I think what it is is, you know, we, we want to, you know, we wanted to see how long it would take for customers to fully qualify and get their workloads performance. So, uh, you know, that depends a lot on, you know, the actual engineering work that's done. And now that we're, you know, let's call it a quarter later, uh, we've seen that it's gone really well. So it's actually gone, um, you know, a bit uh, better than um, our original forecast. And as a result, uh, we've seen stronger demand signals and um, you know, customers are gaining confidence um, in their ability to uh, deploy a significant number of MI300s this year. Got it, thank you. Um, for my follow-up, I wanna ask Matt's question a little more directly. You didn't quite answer it. That the $400 billion number that you've got out there, is that just silicon and chips, or is there hardware and servers and stuff like that in that number as well? Like, what's in that number? Yeah, I, I thought I had answered it, but yes, I'll, I'll answer it again. It is, um, it is accelerator chips. It is not systems. So, you know, think of it as, um, you know, GPUs, um, you know, ASICs that will, um, you know, be there, sort of th those, those types of things. But it includes, uh, obviously, it includes, you know, memory and other things that are packaged together with the, uh, um, with the GPUs. Yeah, memory will be quite significant, right? So memory is a big portion of it, too. And the final question comes from the line of Chris Danley with Citi. Please proceed with your question. Hey, thanks for uh, squeezing me in, team. Um, I guess question for Lisa, as uh, MI300 revenue ramps, how do you see the customer concentration, let's say, a year or two from now? Do you think you'll have one or two customers that are in double digits uh, or one or two that are half the revenue, or do you think it'll be totally uh, fragmented? Um, I, I don't think it'll be one or two that are half the revenue, Chris. I think we're we're building this as a um, you know really we're we're happy to see you know sort of the the broad adoption um, as always with you know sort of the large cloud um, you know partners we might see uh, you know sort of one or two that are higher than others, but I, I don't think you see the type of concentration that um, that you mentioned. 
Great. And then just to follow up on somebody else's question on, uh, you know, sort of Intel's roadmap versus TSMC. So I'm sure you sure you're intimately familiar with TSMC's manufacturing roadmap, and we've all seen uh, Intel open up the kimono on on what they expect to happen over the next couple of years. I mean, do you think Intel is going to close the gap somewhat with uh, with your foundry over the next couple of years? Or do you think they'll be able to maintain the lead? You know, I, look, I feel very good about our partnership with TSMC. Uh, they continue to execute extremely well. Um, you know, we'll see what happens over the next, um, you know, few years. Um, but, you know, I, I'd like to kind of reemphasize what I said earlier. You know, even in the case of, you know, process parity, um, we feel very good about our architectural roadmap and, you know, all of the other things that we add as we look at our entire portfolio of CPUs, GPUs, DPUs, adaptive SOCs, and kind of put them together to solve problems. Um, I think we feel really good about what we can do with our customers. So, uh, you know, we're always going to be paying attention to, you know, sort of the, the process race, but um, I think uh, I think we feel very good about, um, you know, sort of our strategy and, and how do we continue to um, sort of push the envelope on the computing roadmaps. Okay, and that is the end of the question and answer session. I would like to turn the floor back over to the AMD team for any closing comments. Great, John. That concludes today's call. Thank you to everyone for joining us today. And this concludes today's teleconference. You may disconnect your lines at this time. Thank you for your participation.